I was coming into this going, oh man, Sam gets to be called right uh, on a whole bunch of actors. And I think... Oh, this is my favorite. Let's talk about this for the rest of the episode. (laughs) Tell me me all the ways I've been right. Welcome to More or Less this week. Coming to you from my iPhone because I can't figure out my home Wi-Fi. How's, how's the Wi-Fi in the pool house? And apparently my desktop, my desktop has just stopped logging in to Riverside. So we have some Riverside issues we're going to have to figure out. <laughs> I upgraded Chrome and it's just, it just will not log me in. So just to be clear, the lessons have less good audio this week and less good tech. And the less good ends, technology. The Morins. We are not good at the tech thing. Have our mics are- ready. <laughs> um, I will take that. But um, how are you guys doing? I There's been a lot of activity this week um, just happening in the world. A lot of concert going. You guys were at Seinfeld and John Mayer. Did I get that right? And you guys were at Seinfeld, right? We were. It was hilarious. We also, that night you were at Seinfeld, we went to the Warren Miller film premiere for anyone who likes skiing. That was happening. I feel like Warren Miller is not what it once was. What? Sam, what a heretic. You know, Sam, that, that was true for many years, um, but this year's was actually quite good. It, 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 it gave me all the, all the feels. They, they did a, they did a 74, ret- 74 year retrospective on Warren. So it was like full of lots of really good stuff. Was it just a big stuff. Nissan commercial again? I feel like there was like years where like <laughs> it was basically just a big Nissan commercial. <laughs> or was it Subaru uh, or something? No, it was, it was more retrospective this year. It was great. Who was Warren Miller for the people who don't know? Not all our listeners. If you don't know, know who Warren Miller is, we just like stop listening. It's it doesn't fine. matter. Yeah. Oh my God. Whatever. <laughs> I'm from Texas and I did not know who Warren Miller was until I met Dave Morin. So Dave, explain. Uh, Warren Miller, you know, for 75 years, uh, or I guess he, he died a few years ago in 2018, but he made the very best ski movies, uh, kind of pioneered. He was like the, the skiing sports, great marketeer. He was the storyteller. Well, for many years, they were the best because they were the only. Yeah. And then yeah. a young crop, Matchstick and TGR or whatever, came and blew, blew Warren Miller out of the water. Yeah. But, it's, but And they had some corporate drama. But yeah, it's good but to coming back at it. Warren's always, always had the good humor. You know, I always love the humor of a good Warren Miller movie. Yeah. Yes. Yes. They always had the, the good people doing stupid shit on skis. It was always their best segment. But it was nothing compared to Seinfeld. That was one yeah, of the most hilarious things think? I have. St- I think we had some different jokes. I heard really? some AI jokes on Twitter. I don't think we had the level of AI jokes that you had. Oh, yeah. Oh. He did a The whole opening bit was both phones. He did phones and then he did AI. That was so oh, good. The, phone one the was- phones about how like you don't know something happens until your phone tells you eight years later that you were doing the thing. I love that. I also love that he kind of comes out on stage and just says, I don't care what you do with your phones. Like everyone take out your phones. And then I noticed actually everybody did, and then they put them away. And so it was kind of a genius master move um, in comedy. I thought versus Chappelle who like made you put it in a weird fucking pouch that you can get out. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was a, 
Can we talk about this for a second? I'm curious in your couple relationship and if you're a marriage, like, are you, if you go to a concert, let's say John Mayer, like, do you have your phone out most of the time recording the concert or are you like participating in the concert? Um, because Dave takes amazing videos, but then I worry, I worry for him while I'm trying to enjoy the concert that he's not getting the most out of the acoustics. You know, I was hoping she would say this because last night I was very restrained uh, in my... That was restraint uh, last night? Yeah, while Britt was <laughs> texting with, uh, you know, some mutual friends of all of ours for like basically the entire concert. We were texting about how hot John Mayer is when he plays a guitar like that, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> for women, oh, it's hot. Yeah, I don't, Sam, I don't think we're like, hold up our phones, record live experience people, are we? No, but I'm not exactly known for being in the moment either. <laughs> no, but you know what? We're going to talk about that later. That is not a public conversation <laughs> right now. But, um, but Dave, isn't this like all your AI hardware that's going to like make the screen vanish? Now I understand why you like it because. Uh, I don't know. I, I guess, look, I'm a photographer, so I kind of uh at concerts i always try to do good photography but i actually have shifted my mo on this i try to get a couple of good ones and then be present for the rest and of the concert and then just beatbox the music too what while we're yeah. while we're on this i i assume i'm the only person who rushed to watch the season finale of the morning show exactly when it came out last night no it's we gonna try to concert. pretend like she was trying but she First didn't try all, at all um they market that it comes out on wednesdays apparently it's midnight wednesday everybody so knows it's, it's actually night. earlier and i, I was at a john mayer eight. concert okay what okay well wow. then, yeah. this was just yeah. that's dedication this was well that's like how they marketed that the green day tickets weren't available until today but i bought them last night <gasps> i don't know what's going on Oh, we're going to Green Are Day. Are you sure that as a reporter, you don't get early access? I'm positive. Believe me, Apple doesn't give me any early Wait, access. Wait, business model innovation. How much more would you pay to watch the morning show one day ahead of the rest of the world? I probably wouldn't because it, I, it, I don't need to. Nah. It don't need to be first or something. I just like, I just got to say. I've and, only watched a few episodes of this show, but I cannot. Every time, it just sounds like the morning after pill to me. <laughs> <laughs> like the title it's sounds like Not that? what the show's about. And look, I, I got into some 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 hot water on the X because I was praising this and a lot of people were like, um, it sucked. But there were some weak episodes this season. But Billy Crudup, to Crudup, did I get that right? Reese oh, Witherspoon. The, like, I can't believe anybody was saying that. Like, it's fantastic. They can yeah, act. It's fantastic. And the season finale. There's so many moments, and it's not, they don't have anything to do with the news business. They have to do with relationships. Such good acting. People. Unbelievable acting. This is a pass this for me. This scene is, just, well, and the reason I could watch this without Sam is because I have COVID and he does not, hence my sultry voice and why I watch the morning show, because Sam is not into <laughs> this. But the acting is just so good. And just major props, major props. You're just like John. Yes, I agree. John Hamm is fabulous. I just have Sam. To turns out you're less morning show. I understand. You know, Sam. I, I initially thought John Hamm may not be good in this role, but I think he really delivered. He just crushes it, and he's playing. I suppose we should talk about technology. I suppose we should. John Hamm is playing the Elon Musk rocket maker of the episode his company hyperion is supposed to be spacex so although he seems more bezos to me no he's definitely elon no no i mean he he's elon with bezos a little bit of bezos 
Yeah, he seems like a hybrid to me. Did I mean this is not I saw like one minute of his show this this season watching walking by Jessica watching it and John Hamm was like making an omelet the morning after they had sex, I guess. And like (laughs) what like Elon Musk does not make omelets for his significant others any number of them. That's what I'm saying, Sam. This is it's a new character. It's a hybrid. Sam, this is your point of oh my god. Well just I to the it was so good. And anyone who wants to discuss this in our back channel on the internet, I'm there for it. I'm looking for yeah, people. This is like the entire back channel for days has been about Hamas and somehow we're going to get it from that to, to the morning. After <laughs> hey, we you need know, a way to get I the women to speak up, I Sam. Bridge. I couldn't find a bridge. So I left There's it. no I bridge. But that's why I need you guys. <laughs> I actually, you should drop into our back channel. It's complete non-segment. It's like intense political conversations. like, Hey guys, John Hamm, morning after peptides. Let's see how that goes. I don't know if he's on peptides or not, but it's working for him. And she Jennifer, is. I mean Jennifer Aniston, who is hasn't aged queen. a day since Rachel on Friends. That was you. You told me that she has a great ass in it. She keeps showing her I ass. I did say that. Stuff. Yeah, she's been naked a few times. Yeah, I will agree. She is just yeah, like rocking and Reese, the whole thing. And like, I just you go Corey fucking Ellison, right? That's the line. Everyone, just <laughs> hold that in your head as you watch this. So I'm this never episode. gonna watch this. I'm never gonna watch this, nor will most of our listeners. So just give me the one liner, which is at the end of the season. No, 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 no. We are not doing a spoiler, Sam. Um, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll go to the pool house after this and give it to you, but it's just it's just so good. Okay. What Speaking happened in the deals. world of technology this week? What happened? We had AI, OpenAI Developer Day. More interesting which I, than I thought. Only, I, I experienced OpenAI Developer Day, which I appreciated, by several people on Twitter saying, oh my God, Sam Lesson's right. And I didn't know what that meant, but I think I've pieced it together, which, and I always appreciate praise. Um, I think the idea being that OpenAI has now swiped all these AI startups for sure, and being an AI startup is a bad idea, which has been my line for a while. Is that basically right? Yeah, I was... I was coming into this going, oh, man, Sam gets to be called right uh, on a whole bunch of vectors. And I think... Oh, this is my favorite. Let's talk about this for the rest of the episode. <laughs> tell me, tell but, me all the ways I've been right. <laughs> but I think that you also have to give OpenAI uh, serious credit for being in just absolute beast mode right now. Like, this is one of, I think, the most impressive developer platform launches uh, since maybe Facebook platform, if I do say so myself. Um, and it's just unbelievable the amount of stuff they're putting out there. And, uh, while I think Sam, your perspective, uh, has been broadly correct that, you know, know, be careful which business you're getting into and which startups you're funding. I do think that, um, another aspect of our conversation, which is the creator economy and how these new tools are going to be used by my, you know, smaller entrepreneurs, micro entrepreneurs is actually quite an interesting conversation. Can you, can you you riff on this with me? Cause I actually haven't paid as much attention to this. What, like, what are the big unlocks for small businesses that open? Can I go? Can I go? Okay. So like, just a couple hours ago, actually, I had like thousands of women on a Zoom webinar and I was for this for self-made, which is um, a women's business accelerator I help run. And I was explaining to them how... Wait, you're underplaying it. Tell everyone what self-made is. Self-made started in the pandemic 
when millions of women were laid off or furloughed from their jobs. And I decided to help them just become entrepreneurs instead to make their own revenue and have flexible hours, et cetera. Um, most of them are small business entrepreneurs and not necessarily venture scale. Some are venture so scale. real entrepreneurs. <laughs> yeah. And I was Cash like, ladies, I, like, if I could if I could reach through the screen, I would have to shake them and be like, wake up. This is your moment. Like, this is the time. Like just yesterday, you know, now there's like GPT apps that you can create and bots and, you know, all these different things. And, you know, if you are first to the punch here, like there's such an opportunity to start monetizing in so many new ways and to not have to know how to build an app or something like that. And to have AI help you do things like I mean, I thought what Sam dem demoed was really interesting, right? Like he took some lectures from his Y Combinator days, right? And he uploaded them. And then he made like a Ask Sam bot, right? Which was like... Ask a him, VC like, advice. You guys are out of a VC job. advice bot or something, right? And and That's exactly what the world needs is VC advice bot. Thank I God. Know. That was what I was I'm thinking. just saying. It was, he did it in a matter of like a minute, right? And so it just blows your mind. Impressive. The power totally that can impressive. exist. And and how people can take advantage of it and monetize from it now. So what's the monetization plan as you buy these bots and then they talk to them? You get like app yeah. store revenue share. I mean, basically, yeah. so you guys remember when we had Scott on the podcast and we talked about agents, right? And agents are going to be everywhere. You're going to have AIs to do this and AIs to do that. And I think, again, it's a compelling demo experience version one, but to be able to <clears throat> create a GPT and train it on literally, like he opened his computer and dragged his lectures into it, right? Um, like I, I instantly thought for some reason onboarding. Like we have so many onboarding docs of the information, like so many, what's an information story? What, what I've written about it in a million times. Our team has talked about it a million ways. A basic thing, it's not going to replace having your inboard, your onboarding session, but just like a a little GPT, very. So first very, of all, I love that they. I love that they've managed to brand GPT as their thing. That's very clever. Of them. I know. I thought that was a little funny too. It's like, the, but that point aside, like, so do they get access to all these? Like, you, I actually just haven't followed this. So the idea is, and I bet not all of our listeners have. You get to take all of your content, you chuck it into a bot that you instantiate, and then basically people can chat with that bot, and they host it, and you can charge for it. Is that basically? Yes. Okay. Do they get yes. access to the content? Who owns I the think content? That's up to the creator. There are privacy controls over the content. You can set your own policies. Um, Is there any reason that the creator would have be incentivized to let OpenAI have access to the content? Uh, I guess it would be up to the creator, right? Like, do they think? But like, but the, is there any benefit to letting OpenAI having access to it? Or I'm it not sure. It's a great question because there's also debating. like the rev share is a little murky because like it's a cut of like. I think that's a good question to look into understanding like the subscription rev share a little bit. Obviously there's also like, I think yeah, is that like, is it a subscription overall or do I charge my own? Like, is it a bot that I'm selling and they get a cut or is it like, I get some it's like piece of the Apple report? app store. It's like the app store. Yeah. It's a bot that they're selling that, that, that both sides get a cut. Okay. Interesting. And then, there's also, Sam, um, enterprise customers can also deploy internal-only GPTs. Yeah. So is, there, is it basically the story of instead of writing a book, 
because no one's going to read my fucking book anymore. Instead, I just basically dump my book into GPT um, and let the conversation happen. No, because happen. it's push versus pull, right? Like if you want to push your book onto people versus like force people to ask questions that they don't know what to ask you about. You will like, definitely create a Sam GPT. I'm surprised you haven't. Of course like, I will. I mean, yeah. I already have actually. I, yeah. Frankly, me, guys, to, I think we should create a more or less GPT. We can just dump yeah. all of our transcripts from previous sure. episodes. But this here. is the thing. This is, this is my question. Like, obviously, I'm actually curious in terms of how this will play out. Because, like, I totally get this idea that, like, you take a book, for instance, like there's a talk to an author type thing. It's like you can read the book, which is the story I told you, or like you can just be like, hey, here's a corpus of stuff I've generated and now ask it questions. Yeah, I believe that's a thing. But it's not a hundred like it's same thing with like a knowledge base for how to use an app. Right. If you said like, OK, like, you know, instead of your documentation, you know, O'Reilly style, it's like I'd rather have that in a and able thing. I get that. But it is an interesting form factor in terms of like how people will actually buy and interact these th- with these things. It basically is just content with a different index into it. Yeah. I mean, sure. Sam, I was thinking about this because I, I started messing around with, um, I started actually trying to write a, a therapy bot um, with content that I'm just, you know, aware of. And I started working through it. And really, that's what I came to is that, oh, okay, now basically every author on earth can, you know, take their book content and put it into one of these bots and monetize it in another way. And it'll, yeah. it's, it's yet to be seen how incrementally valuable that is on top yeah, of it's the It's like, Jess, stream. I mean, you, you run a subscription business. Are you going to dump the entire information's archive into one of these things that people can ask questions of every article you've ever written? Or? Sure, why not? Like, how, okay, so practically speaking, like, I'm actually curious. This is like a very obvious use case for something like this. I would this charge a lot of money for it. I'm going to make how a Britain much? co-bot too. But it's just like, it's easy. Like anyone who has content will just dump it in. The question is me, like, what's the distribution and why are you, uh, like, what's the value of it? Yeah, well, I think these are all excellent questions. I think that the use case of chatting with a bot is going to exist, but I don't know how mainstream it's going to be. And I I have one Mm -hmm. big question now is like, what is the usage of Bard? What is the, I mean, chat GPT, like, Obviously, we know we information's reported a lot about their revenues surging at OpenAI. I mean, people are, are paying for this stuff. Companies and small businesses are paying for it. But like, you know, I haven't seen the chatbot interface like go through the moon yet. But I yeah. do think it. I, I think it will gain more traction. Whether you know, do I think it's how people are going to want to consume their news? No. But do I think you know for our thousand dollar pro tier? Like doing some of the, you know, it's a cool software product that some people get value out of. Absolutely. I I mean, and what what's so impressive, and again, it was a good demo, is they made it seem really easy um, and really easy to refine, right, with natural language. And so... I, just, I think that that's an interesting thing. I'm sure, again, I'm, I, I should watch it, and I'm sure it is a cool demo. And I'm sure, again, I just think it's like, the fact that something's easy to make is not in and of itself make it a compelling product. Like it's cool, right? Like, but totally. I'm very curious, like what the actual like are people going to pay more for like the book that instead of it being read to them, right, or they're reading it that like they can just ask questions. Well, the here's book what itself. I think. I mean, information subscribers are also subscribing to the information for like for knowledge, right? I mean, they're doing it to stay ahead, but we're a business publication, and people are like querying us to be like, "Have you written about this company, and what's their latest revenue?" I mean, basically being like the information's, yeah, the information search function already, we moved over to like using some GPT based stuff. And you're like, 
look, and this has always been the like an obvious idea, which is like you don't really want the results to be articles. You just want it to be answers in your search function, I think is completely fine, right? And like reasonable. I am curious the depth of use on that, right? And the form factor of it actually working, right? Um, also, at least like the product experience. Like, like I, Jess, I, again, I'm curious like, how does it work? It's like, I totally get why you have a search function on your website or in your service. Obviously, going from search for a specific article result and then read the article is way shittier than just like the one box answer, right? Mm-hmm. If you have it in the archive. But my understanding is that, is it an API-based thing or are they going to ask you to actually load like an app? Okay, it's an API, right? So you just dump it, it all both. in and you yeah. pull it back. Yeah. So one, you'll end up using it for one boxes. I do wonder though, like, that's interesting. How does that work with a subscription model? Wouldn't it just be like a paper call type thing then? Well, you can decide who your this um, GPT is visible to, right? You can make it private, you can make it public. So in the same way, like you could have your app, right? But I'm saying, can you do this? Can you forget the bot thing where like you want to use the conversational interface? Like, is it set up in the current iteration where it's just like you can dump your entire archive in and do the one box results on an API? So you just I don't know how much you can dump. Yeah. I mean, basically, they're going to use this to obviously drive their enterprise business when they make their money. So, yeah. I mean, Sam dragged like a speech into it. Right. So, yeah, Sam. I think to answer Sam's question, I think the, uh, in the, you know, we've been talking about the assistant or I'm sorry, the GPT's, um, functionality, which actually, if you look at their blog, they have two separate blog posts and GPT's is kind of called out as its own thing, which is almost consumer grade, uh, which I think reflects how we're talking about it. And then there's a separate post, which is all of the new APIs and, uh, you know, new models and et cetera. And there's actually, Sam, to your question, a new API called the Assistance API, which effectively is exactly what you um, uh, just asked. It, you know, it includes, uh, you know, calling that function or that API call gives you access to Code Interpreter. You can use the retrie- their retrieval engine so you can, you know, augment the assistant with knowledge from outside their models. You can... Uh, search on proprietary domain data, product information, et cetera, all the kind of stuff you're saying. And then you can also invoke other functions. And so it, you kind of have like an assistant API uh, that yeah. you can call it's inside your app. Like, like the current way you do this, right, with, with OpenAI or really with any of these types of systems, right, is you say, okay, you can't possibly put your entire content library into like the buffer, right, of these chat. There's just yeah. no chance. Like even if you expand it, you're like yeah. not even close. So what you do is you dump it all into a graph database, right? Yep. And you do it in two steps. Step one is you say, okay, you basically do like a graph, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, um, a vector database, not a graph database. Yeah. You put it in a all vector, vector database. Embedding. And yeah. like, you basically do, you do the embedding, you get it back, then you pass the query and you find like the 50 most relevant documents. And then you basically take the 50 most relevant documents and you chuck them into like a GPT style thing, right? And like say, hey, summarize this 50. So basically do like a crude search, to get like the kind of right area you're looking in and you do a narrow one. It's obviously better if you don't have to deal with all that infrastructure. You'll be like, here's everything I know, like do all that shit for me. I am curious how it's actually working in the background, right? Like, is it just doing that? They just packaged it up in a way that like you as the developer don't have to think about basically doing those two steps, right? Or is I think the answer is yes, Sam. And I think the other thing that they've done is they expanded the context window. So the context window is now 128K. 
but that's not a to use your example i mean 128k is like 300 pages of text right yeah but that's so, not that much like yeah. uh, 300 pages of text is great like for the for the refined search right so like yeah. if you said I like take just like the corpus of the information articles, what probably what 10,000 articles, Jess ish. Sure, at least. Yeah. Whatever it is, right? You can take that, you can say, okay, embed it all, do the vectorizing stuff, right? Like pull back for the 300 pages, the most relevant, I don't know, 30 articles. So, what to step back for a sec? Like, is this a kind of like App Store Cambrian moment for this stuff? Like, what do you think, Brett? I have two thoughts. One is that I think there continues to be, um, not a meaningful venture play, but like a new job type, at least that will exist in this interim period where like a lot of non-technical companies, um, I'm thinking of, of like all the recipe sites out there or something, right? Like they have technical teams, but like they need an AI interface person to figure Ooh, out how to start piecing these things together. Buzzfeed did that and it didn't work, but okay, let's go back to that. No. I'm just saying, like, I think this like idea of a prompt engineer or like not even like beyond prompt engineer, like an AI like vertical org and, and company is going to be important, especially because this is rapidly accelerating so quickly. Like you need someone at the information right now to, to maybe it's Sam to like tinker with all the stuff and get it working and understand how to use it. Um, and I think like every organization should be asking themselves this question right now. Um, mm -hmm. and then the second thing is like, I keep thinking about like, how does this continue to create an existential threat to Google? Let's, let's, let's pretend that like Bard, you know, doesn't work out as they want. And like GPT and OpenAI continue to excel and exceed. And maybe like, you know, 10 years from now, the world looks very different. Like, how does this impact, um, the private internet and public internet in different ways? If, if like our first search is actually through an OpenAI text box or voice chat versus a Google search box like what are the downstream effects? as a, the former googler is a good time for a flash poll are you more or less google because this is a big question this is one of the most interesting questions in tech right now i think it's a really hard question i'm more barred than i am gpt actually i had a board meeting earlier this week for two days and i actually was using bard throughout the board meeting <laughs> to like call people out for stats they were talking about or like think quicker than other people in the meeting. And it was like an accelerator for me. Wait a minute. When you go to board meetings, you actually talk. You don't just like look at Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> it's a two-day board meeting. And so I had to do a lot of things. Right, you're not a very good venture capitalist. <laughs> <laughs> you're not texting with 12 other people. You're actually checking facts. But Bard was consistently... No, Sam, like texting with 12 other venture capitalists while they're in their board meetings. Yeah, exactly. Bardwell just has been giving me better results. Maybe it's learning me more. I don't know. But anyway, but then I saw all this new open AI stuff yesterday and I was like, oh shoot, like this is awesome. And so now I'm like leaning more towards open AI and, and they're like you're a Fairweather fan, Britt. Well, <laughs> but to, they have the best tech right now. To go back to Jess's question about the Cambrian, like, are we at a Cambrian moment? I think the other thing that's happening here is that the um, GPT-4 Turbo has a is 3x cheaper than GPT-4 per API call, uh, it sounds like, which to me, the, the Cambrian moment question actually rests on the cost question, right? Uh, like, yeah. I'm seeing this, I'm seeing this a lot in just companies that we're seeing come through the door and pitch us on various different, you know, whatever they're building, everybody's looking at using, you know, these APIs in one way or the other. And at the end of the day, 
the types of use cases you can build for are highly constrained by the prices. And I think nobody's really talking about that brass tax thing, which is that like this thing can only move, you know, as fast as the price goes down. Um, and it's not actually moving down that quickly. Uh, I mean, and so it's getting cheaper. I mean, it's also just like you start with the highest values. It's funny. I'm looking at like the blog post. It's like, I don't know. I'm such a less on this. Like it, these seem like fart apps to me, right? Like, the laundry buddy. I have to start like fart ups. That's where everything starts. No, you don't have to start fart ups. I'm just, right? Well, I mean, Sam, Facebook platform started there. Yeah, but Facebook platform died, Dave. It didn't work. I, iPhone started there. The iPhone was all lighters, was all lighters. This makes me, my, I talked about this a little bit last week, but like my current framework on the first big revenue piles for these things are the enterprise world. And so Definitely. what what I think OpenAI does so well it, because they've got really good product engineers working with you know who, who also obviously really good researchers. And they just like build these products that people understand that we're talking about, that everyone's talking about. And and then it's like some CIO can go to his board and be like and we're doing this big enterprise partnership or something. So there's almost like a marketing element to it um, because it, it, and what I think they regained with this announcement a little bit, although like I, I, I just like, they regained a lot of buzz, right? Like Dave, you were echoing this, like everyone thinks they're in beast mode, right? And that just means that like, that's like what technical people say about technical teams they admire. Right. And a lot of that is marketing. And so then I think the question is like, what where it well, I think it's momentum too. It's not just marketing. It's momentum. It's like yeah, impressive. No, there's the amount obviously of work. technology behind. Like they're they're pushing on tech. I mean, what I always wonder though is is this a field where we're just one innovation away from something being obsolete? Right. Like, is it gonna? You know, do sort of LLMs progress like very linearly and scale, and the big guys who have all the money and can get it from the sovereign wealth funds of the world will scale. And that yeah, will I happen. Mean, I, I think that's been Sam's argument, right? Yeah, but look, I just at some point there'll be another paper or another breakthrough. And that can come from yeah. anywhere. I don't know. I think that I th I'm an under on that. Like I think the reality is, is like that we've had a big breakthrough. The LLM stuff is cool and it is useful. And to be clear, the hey, how the fuck do I play this board game? Turning that from a YouTube video into an Q&A thing to like get the right answers. Fair, I, I want that. Like the onboarding, absolutely. Like I definitely believe that like things that are currently like effectively, you know, effectively help centers are going to get way better because of this, right? Like that's obvious. And like, I think that table stakes that'll happen, like a lot of people will provide that. Is this like a new paradigm? I just am like less convinced. And I think I'm, as you know, extremely skeptical in the like, this is some sort of like, this is asymptoting. Like we know what this looks like and it's going to be useful and like, it's good. I don't think there's some like major next breakthrough that wipes Did you it guys follow XAI? So XAI being Elon Musk's originally anti-woke AI because Elon, who by yep. the way started <laughs> OpenAI when it was a nonprofit. Yes, you should be confused. I still don't understand how this was a nonprofit. He actually did start it, but I think he marketed himself as having started it. Does anyone understand how this became a nonprofit into a yes, for-profit? Yes, it's been so. We've documented this extensively. They needed money, 
So it they still doesn't make to, sense to me. Had to raise money, and they went to Vinod Kosla, who put well, in. Well, to be clear, they turned it from a nonprofit into a not profit. They have <laughs> like. To be clear, the not pro- not for profit still exists. It's this shell board. Plenty of people sit on it. Sam likes to say he serves at the pleasure of the nonprofit. I don't know what that means. Um, but anyway, we we saw the first. Um, blog post that asserts some things about the capabilities of a of XAI, the Musk backed LLM. He's he's spending a lot of time on this. We hear very it, it is trained on you guessed it X's, formerly known as Twitter's kind of corpus. Yeah, which is valuable. It's going to be which is going to be a wild AI. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be crazy. Are the bots included? Imagine a health center. It's like, imagine a help center you can talk to whose entire corpus of knowledge is Twitter. It's going to be a ball. 50% accurate information. (laughs) So (laughs) it's going to be like the most insane AI ever. And like, Uh, it'll be hilarious. Like one of the things I saw somebody built already with this new stuff, which I thought was kind of interesting is people are taking uh, video, like streaming frames of sports video uh, into the GPT for uh, vision API and they're then text to speeching it and they're effectively creating sports commentators that are actually like quite good. Um, that's one thing that I saw. And then there's this other thing I'm trying to find it right now. I can't find it, but apparently Google, uh, I think on YouTube with sports and the NFL, they're, they're basically like have these little rings that show up underneath the, um, athletes as they move into position before the play starts. And the, AI is actually predicting who's going to rush the quarterback but better than the announcers right now. And that's kind of interesting. So here's here's an that's here's a cool. um, here's an AI application that someone should for sure go make a ton of money on. I 100 percent believe that someone can make a shitload of money building an AI to do sports betting. Yeah, I was just gonna say so, like you know what I mean? Like that that is a marketplace. Like, you know, people do all the sports betting, like play by play, games, whatever. I am sure, right, that someone could could, could use AI and like that's an obvious. But that's like win, an that's like right? a very short term win. Yeah, this like isn't going to last forever. Like, how does this change the NFL? I was sitting here watching this and I'm like, okay, are the play callers on the on the D line on both sides of the team going to now like have to out AI each other to call plays? Um, because right now you could just watch the YouTube stream. Uh, and see the AI already is telling you information that people didn't have before. And that's like a pretty interesting question. I mean, is that, are you asking whether we should be worried that poor sports commentators, all 12 of them are going to lose their jobs? I'm not talking about commentators, Sam. I'm talking about play callers. I think there are some sports that are safe. Oh, there's even fewer Okay, soccer <laughs> is a sport that doesn't have like plays, like football. And I don't think... AI can be as useful in soccer and sports betting. So maybe Oh come so, on. You don't think the AI is gonna like this person's about to score. Where they're gonna pass the ball next. Like Yeah, the, you wanna bet? But they're like, like before like, the game. I'm the one who's so skeptical of AI. For sure AI can do that. Yeah, but Sam I think it's more variable. Soccer players don't have uh microphones in their ears, right? Like the the way that football gets played, I think I'm asking sort of an NFL grade question. Like, how does this change the actual rules of the game? I, I love the idea of AI coaches for sports teams. That would be 
amazing. Like if you just said like, <laughs> we just hired this AI as our coach, we're going to pay $12 million a year. And then all the players are just, it is, that is the purest encapsulation of the future I could possibly imagine. <laughs> Dave was like, Deion Sanders for Halloween, who's the coach of the Colorado <laughs> Buffaloes. And now he can really be like AI Deion Sanders. Yeah. AI coach. Pye. I love Dave, this. this. That's is, the name this of the app. Dave, I honestly think this might be the place where football mirrors America best. And I think you're totally right. This? You're just going to have like the people, because the whole thing, everyone says like, oh, people do all the creative work and like AI like does all like the stupid work. No, the opposite. Like AI is the manager and people are the doers. And if that happens first in, 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 in the NFL, so like, you know, you have like the quarterback rebelling against the AI instructions. And like, like the whole dynamic of that's going to be hilarious. So what, and like, go back to which sports are the safer sports then, if this is the future of, of sports. Like I don't if think you can this predict... tells these sports though, Britt. I think this is just no, like which another Which sports player. are un- left unchanged? Like swimming is probably a safer sport, right? Like it's... So anything that's a pure race is like, because the AI would just be like swim faster. Yeah, like you can't really AI <laughs> swimming. <laughs> that's the coaching. Basically, yeah. Anything where you're trying to beat a clock, you're kind of, you're probably okay. It's like, here's a great idea person who I'm coaching as your AI coach. is like, why don't you try harder? It's like in the NFL, it'll be like, hey, uh, you, Senator, why don't you stand on your head? And it was like, do you really want me to stand on my head? It's like, yeah. <laughs> Don't worry. Most sports work. don't have like AI real time or real time coaching. But okay, so are there any other very exciting, promising use cases before we move to non AI topics? Well, I think sports betting is really interesting. Why wouldn't? Why would not AI just completely dominate sports betting from now on? I'm sure it will. I think it's AI betting and coaching. That, but yes. The problem is, is that will people still want to be in the sports betting industry when there's just all machines? No. Like, it seems I mean, like it'll Sam, fall. isn't this just Wall Street? I mean, my one of my favorite old sayings is that the singularity already happened on Wall 100%. Street. 100%. And it's just right? 100%. Yeah. We already are just doing what the machines tell us to do. Yeah. So how Street. is this any different, right? Well, I just, I think what it might be is actually the video angle, right? Which is like historically mm. like sports, like Wall Street, the data streams you're using are generally not like video. They're like not multimedia. And so if the real thing that AI can do in this moment is take a bunch of like unstructured data from sports and like turn it into enough of a feed, then all of a sudden sports betting is just Wall Street. And like, just like day traders can't possibly win against like algorithmic high frequency traders like you just would expect that ai is going to completely dominate sports betting to the point that like no one will do it for fun right um because yeah, i mean be- that future seems clearly already here it's just so not interesting even it's like in some yet. ways ai will be like by being too good it will just destroy the entire sports betting market unless you're a swimmer and maybe many others but doesn't that mean that poker's next i mean basically anything poker's where you already got happened, this- i thought like people are doing this on screen on like the poker TV channel. I don't know. Yeah, because they show you... Well, I just think when people talk about chess, right? Like computers can beat us at chess pretty much no problem with rare exception. People still obviously play chess. In fact, chess is having a renaissance despite that, even though it's kind of futile because it's like we can't... Like computers just beat you anyway. Most of us aren't playing computer. People play computers all the time in chess. Like that's like Yeah, a they play computers game. to practice and then they go play other humans. But here's the interesting thing with sports betting, right? Is like you if there was like you're not going to figure out like who's using an algorithm versus not. Right. And so these game, any game where it's going to be untraceable or unclear where algorithms are like, whether AI is playing, whether you're playing as AI or humans, 
like are going to get really uninteresting for humans because they're just going to lose all the time. Right. So it's going to be interesting to figure out how to like take a something like a sports marketplace and be like, okay, we're going to be a sports, we're going to be a sports betting, but no AI is allowed. And how do you enforce that? Right. Like, will it end up being that people like get in a room and like, you know, they have like tech blocking and they're like, this is still fun to do sports betting. We just can't do it online anymore because we can't trust that AI isn't just going to die. And us. by the way, a similar vein, casinos are kind of fucked, right? Like, I think that if you're playing blackjack in Vegas and I've got my like humane thing happening and uh, something in my ear telling me whether I should flip the next card or not. But that's kind of... But Britt, I actually think just to push you on that, I think that like casinos already have this problem and they've already kind of like actually solved it by being in person and they just throw everyone out who does that. I think it's actually more online betting is fucked, mm-hmm. right? Like whereas you can't, basically you're going to need to create spaces that are human only for things like gambling. I, what right? I'm saying because, though is I just think people are going to, I think there are smaller technologies that it now exist where it might be harder to catch the people in the casinos. And so I can imagine... There, are, there's some period of time where they're they're figuring out how to like play the casinos differently. Sure. So there's gonna be bringing down the house 2.0. Yeah, like there's a there's a movie here. I think there's a movie plotline. These are some really interesting um, predictions. I like that. We did our AI predictions. We keep coming back. You just can't avoid AI as much as we want to. But I want to make sure we also talk about Brit. You were gonna like. Another huge theme right now, we're seeing a lot of deals, we're seeing a lot of M&A, we're seeing a lot of hopefulness, wishful thinking about more deals, more IPOs. Um, really? The information has a story today about all the ways the bankers screwed up the last IPOs, but what are you hearing, Britt? Well, I am hearing a couple of things. One is bankers are still currently advising to not go out for an IPO, but to kind of get your ducks in a row in that the window will potentially reopen spring 2024. I personally... And that's not at all in their interest in telling people. dubious about yeah. this. Um, I think we're... It's. I think all of 2024 is going to be pretty difficult. But I do think the M&A markets are going to continue pure to, optimism. Uh, oh, yeah. to, I mean, to explode. Pure, what else, like... What else are the bankers going to say? Like... <laughs> what do you expect them to say? They could say and they're kind I of mean, out of a job. The markets <laughs> they can just say go yeah. now, or they don't say go now. It's like okay, we agree you can't go now, but but <laughs> you should be really ready because we promise that there's going to be a moment coming where we can make money. I'm, yeah, I'm just I'm reporting from the crowd, from the sidelines. What's happening? I think the only thing that you can, the only thing the bankers that you can take signal from that is that even the bankers realize you can't go public now. Yes. And when would your prediction be, Sam, of when you could go public? <laughs> never, never. Like, <laughs> this is like, ended. It's not that it won't happen. Of course, someone's going to go public. It's not going to zero. But like the era of like lots of IPOs for tech is just done, right? Like it turns out that these are pretty shitty companies in general. There are right? some good and companies like, out there, though. Like, of course there are, but there aren't that many. But will right? those companies like, succeed it, in their IPO? Do you think? Not unless they're incredible because everyone's so burned on these tech IPOs that they're not going to get the benefit of the doubt. And like the the bar for being a good company is way higher than it ever was before. Yeah. 
because yeah. I can just buy more Microsoft and ride the the AI wave that way. Yeah, I mean, Sam's you're right in a risk off market, right? Like, and the question is, when will we move back to risk on? But I think I think the thing to understand is like even in a risk on market where people are like willing to buy more equities, etc. There's in this in this moment, there's very little reason to buy subscale tech companies because the the benefits of AI, et cetera, are just going to accrue to the biggest companies. So like if you want to go risk on, just buy more like long call options on Meta, buy more long call options on Microsoft. There's no upper bound to how big being and they're clearly going to get all the value from it. So like it just doesn't like I think this whole I I think we have to get over as a as an industry this idea. That like you know, there's the, the, there's serious public market demand for ten billion dollar you know tech stories, right? I just don't, I don't there know. Is. There are a few outliers though. Like I was I was tracking. Um, my favorite one of late is Duolingo that I've been like digging deeper into, which like opened the year at ninety six. It's now at one sixty seven, and like you know, it has a seven billion dollar market cap. It's not like the biggest, but like just has good numbers. It's a good business. Like it's showing good. It's fine. It's, I'm just saying like there are success stories that exist out there. It's fine. I mean, like, you know, this year, they're, 2022, they lost $50 million on revenue of 300. Yeah, the fact that like, they were I'm able sure to pull off better. like the growth of the stock is impressive based on some of the numbers. But again, I just, basically, it's like fine. It's like the Duolingo is not going to go from like one to infinity. In fact, it's hilarious. I would say, talk about a company that's probably threatened by AI. It's like, why on earth would you care about land, learning another language if I can just auto translate things on the fly? I just, I'm not saying that people won't do okay. I'm just saying, like, the story where Duolingo is 10 times bigger than it is is I'm like, not talking really about hard. I'm just saying, like, that it is possible to be like a successful stock right now in, in the sort of sub $10 billion. It's all about market. the expectations, though, and what these companies Duolingo is down. It's like basically where it was in July of 2021. Right when it, it went, right when it it's went basically out. flat for its IPO, which is a lot better right? than a it's, lot of stocks out there right now. Totally, but like that can't be the bar. Like no one's buying a public market equity with the expectation that like it's going to go down and then kind of get back to where it was. And like, yeah, you need growth stories. You need consistent. I'm not good arguing companies. That, yeah, that there's going to be another. Now, does this mean alphabet? that like the? Does this mean the mega caps become like mega mega caps? Yeah. Because yes, definitely. Yeah, and also all these. Stocks are doing a little bit better because the market thinks the Fed is less likely to raise rates. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, look, the market moves all together. Like when crypto goes up, yeah. others, like, it's, it's not like these things are totally disconnected. And like, there are always, if you're looking for like a marginal hole, like places to look. But look, the, the story it used to be very simple, which is companies could only be so big. Like it used to be they couldn't have a hundred billion dollar company. Now you can't have a trillion dollar company. Like. And like, there were two reasons for that. One is people just couldn't wrap their heads around anything possibly being that big. And two, the story was pretty simple, which is like, you get really big, you get less efficient, you look for the next thing where growth is going to come. The big companies in the, in the era we're in have demonstrated the ability to be massively profitable, right? And continue to grow unbelievably quickly and like leverage new technologies well. And like, I just think that like, that makes the public market demand, certainly for money losing, but even for like, scale story like so much less compelling because like if you want to be risk on just buy more of the obvious shit right like why dick around with trying to make five percent more on some weird bet would add risks right and again it doesn't mean you can't build great companies i actually am totally with you Britt. that like the opportunities for building i've said there's a bunch like 
AI, just like cloud before it, creates incredible opportunities for small businesses to do fabulously. Like if you want to start a company with 10 people and make a ton of money doing something specific, huge opportunities, right? But I just think like this kind of game of like, how do we build 10, $20 billion public companies that are quote unquote tech stories that are fast growth and people are going to want to buy as, you know, as public market investors. I just think like we're done with that for the foreseeable future. Um. Okay, before we wrap, we've got a lot of territory. Anything else? People just catching people's eyes this week? On the mind? In the inbox? I just think we're getting a lot of deal rumors in the information. I tell you. I'm all about small businesses. You know, that's my thing there now, if you hadn't noticed. Yes, all about them. Any new small How do we fund these small businesses, Sam? I think money. like that's one of the big questions right now money. as I we watch take this. money and we send it to their bank. Dividends. Well, that's true. But how do you build venture? How does, I think there's, this is probably a whole other pod, but I think we do actually have to go into this for like an entire pod, which is how do you build a venture capital uh, portfolio that, you know, operates in this world, right? I, if Go ahead. I have feelings and views on this. I want to hear yeah. Dave's. You wrote a slide deck, Dave. Well, I I think that I, th- I think we should do an entire pod mm. on this. I just think it it's like a very very long topic. That I have is... a long walk with a venture capitalist tomorrow. I was I was invited to go for a walk with a venture capitalist in my neighborhood tomorrow. Uh, wait, to... wait, wait, wait! A, a venture capitalist is going to go on a walk. With I know. Inviting me for a walk. I went on a venture capitalist with a walk today in our neighborhood. Did you know that? I, I, I sometimes hear the venture capital happening over there and I'm like, not venture capitaling here. Um, so here's, here's the question, um, that an LP, uh, asked, uh, us, Britt and I were at a meeting. Um, I think, I guess it was last week asked us, why is it that every single, uh, why is it that all VCs and LPs use one contract in Silicon Valley? Well, they when don't. There's like me so, invented a whole different one for investing in creators. That's true, but that's very rare. And for the most part, the ecosystem uses one contract. And there are all of these different forms of risk, right? And everyone goes around pitching all these uh, you know, limited partners the same contract. And the each limited partner wants different types mm-hmm. of risk. There's all different kinds of institutions. And by the way, at the venture capital level, like there's all of these new tools that the AI revolution is putting out into the ether. That's that Sam, I think you're very right. Are going to uh, empower the small business. They're going to empower the the small team of people to make a lot of cash flow, to make really interesting businesses. But that's not what the contract is set up for. Agreed. And so I think that there's like I think we have to take a hard look at the ecosystem, and actually, we need to be a lot more coordinated about this and work to create more types of contracts that we're all operating on and change the way the conversation is playing out. This is fun. Let's do this for the next podcast. I think it's a great topic, but just to answer your LP's question, there's a very simple reason, which is scalability, right? Like the last 20 years, at least 10 of venture capital, the whole point is that it's a backwater small industry trying to act like a real financial product. And the way you get standard uh, scalability is standardization right? It makes it easier for there to be a robust market around things, makes it easier to diligence things, it makes it easier to pile capital in. But like the reality is we're coming back to the roots and the roots are this is a niche industry to provide high risk capital to weird situations. And, um, you know, the reality is small businesses, um, you know, things that aren't can't be public company, $20 billion public companies ever are very poorly served by everyone right now because banks won't lend to them. 
and you know there's no capital for them and venture capitalists is not set up for it and we've done a lot of work i've done a lot of work like how do you invest in creators totally alternative form of finance um, with totally different structures and rules how do you think about funding small businesses what are the exit opportunities like i think this is the jam of what to talk about so i'm excited about our next episode on this. i will just say yeah, while absolutely. you guys are doing that the information just broke an interesting story that um Snap laid off 20 product managers, Evan Spiegel. We were just to go back oh, wow. to, and that um, um, the vi- vice president of engineering is leaving. But I remember maybe he liked our episode. I think he liked our founder episode, which is just like the founder flex, you know? He wants to work <laughs> on product, he wants to take their jobs. I'm mean, so. like firing 20 PM. It's like pretty. How many will now? I have no idea. I have no idea how product managers they have, but I'm almost certain it will now work faster and better. (laughs) Oh my God. Okay. Well, RIP PM and great. Well, thank you to everyone for listening. As always, we love doing this for you guys. We love the feedback. We love the shares. We love the ratings. Please give us lots. Subscribe. Um, We have to do these things like contests, right? Like is this what the YouTubers do? Like subscribe and then we'll like take you to a wave pool or something? We do giveaways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, giveaways. Subscribe and and review. Review the ratings are important. Okay, subscribe yeah. and review. It's like subscribe and Wellquist will give you COVID on the way to the wave pool. <laughs> yeah, it will be delightful, <laughs> but you still get to do your pod. Um, and guys, I wish I could talk more about this wave pool, but I can't. It's like NDA, but it's very exciting. And um, with that, a thank you to everyone. We will be back here next week, apparently talking about these venture capital topics or whatever. I'm, I'm all for it. This is my favorite topic we've wandered I, into. I think our listeners are aware. We've got a bunch of new contracts we've developed yeah. too. And it's I have this good. huge mailing list of like every v- VC and LP that read this this slide deck I put out that we can then blast yeah. this episode You know, to my goal, market. guys, I want us to do the more or less greatest hits, but we need to also hit the other high notes. So we're going to we're gonna do a mixed bag. We'll go greatest hits. We'll, we'll get some <laughs> new things in, but... That this is how we evolve. But thank you to everyone. Nice to see you, Morins. I also I forgot to say, Dave, a pop of color today. I, I always tease you. Just for you, Jess. I always tease you. You've got a hue of information red. Did you guys get the black tie <laughs> gala? Did you get the the invite? Oh, oh yes. yeah, We're, oh, we'll be there. You see the new logo. Are we talking about no, 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 Dave? You see the new logo, yes, Dave. The new the information black tie gala. Oh, there was another black tie gala uh, that we went to, which we're not, we were sworn to secrecy about. We cannot talk about. I just want to show you guys got the hilarious. We did. And I hope the same thing happens at your black tie gala as what happened at this black tie gala, because I don't think so. Can we judge San Francisco by the, the, how well San Francisco is coming back by the number of black tie galas per week we have to attend? You know, I really debated making this one black tie and I'm just going for it. I think it's good. I think it's good. It's a it's we a good it. era. We want yeah. it. Okay. It well, makes zero difference to men. Okay. Talk to you okay. later. Farewell, friends. <laughs> Bye. Go back to your zooms. Bye. Bye. If you enjoyed this show, please leave us a virtual high five by rating it and reviewing it on Apple Podcast, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast. Find more information about each episode in the show notes and follow us on social media by searching for at more or less at Dave Morin, at Lesson, at J Lesson, and as for me, I'm at Brit. See you guys next time. <laughs>